understand that uh, I, I am uh, from the city of Cleveland, which uh, is, I suppose, a large city in and of itself. Uh, but in comparison, uh, there really is no comparison uh, when you start thinking about the, the city of New York. Uh, but I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in a, um, in an urban type of a community. Uh, my family and I, we grew up on, I grew up on a West 128th Street in the city of Cleveland. Houses were right next to each other. And, uh, and so that, that was just kind of the way that I grew up. And, and most of the young people that are with us tonight, probably in much the same way, some, somewhat similar circumstances. And uh, this, is, this is the height of city living, is to be in New York. And we have, uh, we have enjoyed our time here. I've asked a lot of our kids, how many of you um, would want to live here if you could? And I think about half of them raised their hand and said they'd like to give it a try and uh, give it a shot. I, I said to somebody, I said, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to try living here the way I'd like to try living in Amish country. Uh, maybe about a week or so just to give it a shot and then go back to where I'm from and, uh, and just probably live the rest of my days there. But uh, what a joy it has been for us to be here. Thank you for your hospitality, Brother, brother and Mrs. Montoro and, and Peter and, and uh, the rest of the family have been uh, very welcoming to us and we're certainly grateful for it. Uh, I well remember the days when he um, was instructing me in the instrument of the clarinet. And uh, I, I, tell the, I tell the story all the time that I wanted to play um, the tuba. And, uh, but when I got started, I was just in fourth grade. And Mr. Roush, who was the music teacher at our school, said, Peter, your lips aren't big enough. That comes as a great shock, I'm sure. And he said, your lips aren't big enough. You have to pick up another instrument. And so I chose the clarinet. And uh, the rest is history, I guess you could say. But uh, Brother Montoro, your pastor, um, spent some maybe a year or so. And I remember getting some lessons from him. And I uh, could take you to the same place where uh, we used to get those lessons. And certainly... Uh, certainly enjoyed it. Uh, we're in Acts chapter number 16 tonight, Acts chapter uh, number 16, and I want us to focus in on verse number, uh, verse number 9, if you would, for our text, Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9, where the Bible reads, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. A few things that I want to point out is we're just getting started tonight in the message. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll jump into this whole passage and look at it a little bit closer as we go forward from here. But one of the things that jumps out to me as we get started tonight is just the obedience of Paul and those that traveled with him. And the Bible says that as he was in the middle of the night, he was, must have been sleeping or resting. And he was troubled in the middle of the night with a vision that he received. Now, please obviously understand, I think you're well, well taught enough here in this church to realize and understand that God is no longer speaking to us uh, through the means of visions. Now, God no longer is going to come to you tonight as you pillow your head this evening. And a vision is going to appear in your bedroom or uh, some floating angel is going to come down. And uh, if that happens, it just means you had too much pizza before you went to bed. God is no longer speaking in the means of visions. The reason for that is, is because God has given us His holy, infallible, inspired, complete, inerrant Word of God. In other words, I, why do I need a vision? When I have the very Word of God in written form. As Paul was uh, sleeping that night, he did not have of the Word of God as you and I have it. It was still being revealed at that time. God was still using holy men of God to speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so occasionally God still used the means of visions to communicate a message. God's no longer using that. 
You and I have God's Word. In fact, the Bible tells us, Peter himself said, I believe in the book of 1 Peter, he said that we have a more sure word of prophecy. You know what he was alluding to? He was talking about the experience that he had on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says that, uh, that Peter and James and John went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw Jesus himself in his glorified body with Moses and Elijah. And yet Peter said, I want you to know something, that the word of God that is being given to us is a more complete written revelation of God himself than if you were to have Jesus standing in front of you and, and, and if you were to have Moses and Elijah standing in front of you. So this book is without, uh, is without a comparison in our, in, our, in our day and in our age for our spiritual lives. And so we see here that, that, that God was still using the means of visions to communicate. But notice when they received this vision, the Bible says that immediately we endeavor to go into Macedonia. I want to ask you this question. How are you in this area of obedience? As God speaks to your heart, as God moves in your life to make a decision for Him, maybe it's in the area of surrender, maybe it's in the area, maybe even in salvation, maybe there's someone here tonight and God's been working on your heart about receiving His Son, Jesus Christ, for your, uh, for your, as your Savior, uh, to give you the hope of eternal life. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. God has begun uh, to, to deal with you in a certain way. And, and yet so many times we hold back on God. Uh, we want to we delay. We want to hesitate. Uh, we want to make sure we get all of our ducks in a row. Not the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that when he received this vision, he said immediately, we desired to go into Macedonia and to preach the gospel to them. And so this passage of Scripture is well known. It's well known by many of us. This is the Macedonian call. And yet I want us to look at some things here tonight that maybe while they're not new to us, maybe they'll inspire us and challenge us and convict us in a greater way. I want you to notice in verse number 9, there's a phrase that is given, and, and it's a request that is made by this man of Macedonia. And it's the very end of that verse where he says, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, I want to preach tonight on that thought, help us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me here tonight as we ask the Lord's blessing on the message. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, we as um, uh, this, our, our group from, from Cleveland, we've enjoyed our time here. It's been an eye-opener in many ways. As we have seen one of the greatest cities in all of the world. And Lord, I pray that our young people and I pray that our adults that are with us on this trip would not have just seen some beautiful sights. I pray that we would not have just seen some massive buildings and maybe uh, had opportunity to get some, maybe some neat gifts or souvenirs. Lord, I pray that even in a greater way that we have, uh, through our time here, have been impressed in, 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 a, in a major way about the need in this, in this community. Uh, the need in this area, the, the northeast um, uh, corridor of the United States of America. I pray that our young people would get a vision to see that there is a, there's a great need. People need the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives. I pray that the good folks here at the Open Door Bible Baptist Church tonight would, would be challenged through this message. And Lord, that you would take our time together tonight and that you would use it in a great way for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A young lady by the name of Alila stood on a little beach holding her tiny infant son close to her heart. Tears began to well up in her eyes as she began slowly walking toward the river's edge. She stepped into the water silently making her way out until she was waist deep, the water gently lapping at the sleeping baby's feet. She stood there for a long time holding the child tightly as she stared out across the river. 
Then all of a sudden, in one quick moment, she threw the six-month-old baby to its watery death. Native missionary by the name of M.V. Varghese often uh, witnesses among the crowds who gather at the Ganges River. And it was he who came upon Alila that very same day, kneeling in the sand uncontrollably and beating upon her breast. With compassion, he knelt down beside her and he put his arm around her and asked her simply what was wrong. Through the sobs, she told him, the problems in my home are too many and my sins are heavy upon my heart. So I offered the best that I have to the goddess Ganges, my firstborn son. Brother Varghese's heart ached for the desperate woman. And as she wept, he gently began to tell her about the love of Jesus. And that through him, her sins could be forgiven. You can imagine as she looked at him strangely, she said, I've never in my whole life heard that before. She said through tears, why? Why couldn't you have come just 30 minutes earlier? If you would have come just 30 minutes earlier, my child would not have had to die. Now I understand that that illustration and that story that is a a true story as far as I know uh, is somewhat extreme. I realize that across the city of New York and across the United States of America, uh, most moms that are having a troubled time in their life are not taking their children and throwing them to their death. Now, I realize most are not going to that extreme, but I use that to illustrate tonight that there are people all around this world that are looking for some hope. Uh, There are people that are desperate for some hope. (laughs) There are... People that will do just about anything so that they could try and appease the the guilt that dwells inside of them. Uh, We have just come through the Easter week and every year at Easter uh, we hear the stories of the people in the Far East, especially in the Philippines, where Catholicism rages in a big time way. We we see people that will literally nail themselves to a cross. I know of I know of groups of people that will crawl for miles upon their knees till the time when they get done. Their hands and their knees are bloody and they're bruised and they're battered. And in, and in some effort, they think that they're appeasing some God somewhere. And people go to all different lengths so that they might have some type of spiritual peace and some type of spiritual rest. And I think to myself, it's amazing that when God has done everything for us, that sometimes the human race makes things so hard. We have people that will do just about anything to try, and, uh, to try and appease some type of a God and, and to try and find some type of a hope. And I want you to think about the fact that there are millions all around even this very city that are crying out just like this man of Macedonia did when he cried out, help us, someone come and help us, someone come and give us the gospel. This was not a cry for financial help. Uh, This was not a cry for uh, political help. Uh, This was not a cry for medical help, even though all of those things are good in and of themselves. And I know lots of missionaries that will use those tools to try and give the gospel to people. But that was not the crux of this cry. This was a cry for spiritual help. This was someone who who did not know how his sins could be forgiven. This was someone who did not know about life beyond the grave, whether or not he could have Jesus Christ as his Savior, or even if he even if there was a Jesus Christ, even if there was a Savior. And, and, and so I want you to think uh, about this cry that came from this man of Macedonia. I remind you of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was here on this earth in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9 and verse number 36, where the Bible says, but when he saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I want to ask our young people that are with us this week, how many of you saw the multitudes walking across the streets of Manhattan this, uh, this day and yesterday? How many of you have seen the multitudes on the subway trains and, and walking up and down the streets? Probably 90, 95% of them, maybe more, maybe a few less, uh, do not know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That ought to, that ought to motivate us. That ought to move us. It ought to drive us to our knees as it did to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when he was here and is in his ministry that he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion on them. When was the last time you were moved with compassion? When was the last time the Holy Spirit gripped your heart about something? We get so caught up in this life and, and we think about the things that appease us and the things that we enjoy and the things that we want to spend our time doing. But when was the last time uh, you thought about what you could do for the Lord? When was the last time you thought about how your life could count for eternity? I want you to notice that in this passage of Scripture, we find some men who responded to a call. We find some men who, as a result of their time in Macedonia and their obedience to the call of God, they literally changed the world because of their obedience. And I want, us to, I want you to notice that there are three characteristics that are found in this passage that, uh, that give us some insight into the type of people that the Lord uses. Uh, many of you may, may be interested in this, some of you may not. I, I've always been a sports fan. I've always enjoyed um, uh, uh, athletics and competition. And, and, uh, and, and of course, as a, as a fan of Cleveland sports teams, uh, it's always about next year. And uh, ever, since, uh, ever since the football season ended this year, uh, all that they've talked about on the radio is who are the Browns going to draft. And, uh, you know, who's going to be the next? In fact, they say the only Super Bowl that's ever played in Cleveland is on draft day. That is our Super Bowl. And uh, it's the only day that, uh, that, that we can really get excited about. Maybe this guy we drafted is going to be the next hope for our football team. And, you know, I, I, think, about this, I think about this thought. Um, I, I would never be considered to be drafted by an NFL football team. Why? Well, number one, because I've never played football a day in my life. I'm talking about organized, competitive football. Uh, I, I, uh, I, number two, I am now, uh, almost 33 years old and, uh, my days, well, I was never in shape, but, uh, my days of being in any type of athletic shape are, are long gone. And so they would never even consider me. You know, if I, if I went to the Cleveland Browns training camp, I said, look, I'd like to try out for a position. Um, you know, they'd probably have to pick themselves off the floor from laughter. I, I, I would not be anyone that they would consider uh, as, a, as, a, as a decent uh, 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 prospect to play football for the Cleveland Browns or any other team. And, uh, and why is that? Because, because that's, that's not who I am. Uh, because that, that, that's not the talent or the ability I have. I want you to know something. I want you to know that, that God is looking for some people. And can I tell you that God's not nearly as choosy as, as maybe an NFL organization would be. You know, you know that God will, God will take anybody? You know that God will use anybody in his service? Do you know that you don't have to be a, a great intellectual mind in order for God to use you? Did you know that you don't have to be some great uh, witty type of personality? You don't have to, uh, you don't have to be a, an extrovert. You don't have to be an introvert. It doesn't matter who you are. God will use you if you'll just allow him to. And here in this passage of Scripture, I think we find three uh, characteristics of the type of people that God uses to accomplish something for Him. 
I want you to notice, number one, we find that he uses people or men or women who are controlled by the comforter. Controlled by the comforter. Would you look at verse number 6? The Bible says of Acts chapter 16 and verse number 6, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. We find in these two verses two, two specific times where the Apostle Paul and the other men that were with him had a desire to go and to preach the gospel in a certain place, and yet they were sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to sense that he was not in them going to those places. Now let me ask you this question. Can you preach the gospel to the wrong crowd? Is it possible? Is it possible for me to open up my Bible and to witness to the wrong person? It can't, can, can that be done? Does not the Lord want everyone to hear the gospel? And yet we see here that the Bible on two occasions, the Holy Spirit suffered them not, or the Holy Spirit in one instance, the Bible says that he forbade them or forbid them from preaching in a certain spot. And they were sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to understand where he was directing them and where he was leading them. Now let me ask you this question. When was the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you? Can I tell you something that the Holy Spirit, if, if you allow him to, he, he will speak to you on a regular basis? Did you know that if you allow the Holy Spirit to, uh, that, that he'll talk to you daily, multiple times throughout the day? I venture to say that there's maybe someone in this, in this audience tonight, in this church house tonight, that maybe it's been a long, long time since you've heard the Holy Spirit in a, in a very clear, in a, in a, in a, a crystal clear way. Uh, maybe, maybe the last time you heard him was when you got saved. Or maybe you surrendered your life to the Lord a long time ago. But that last, but can I tell you something? That, that, that doesn't mean that he's not still trying to talk. It doesn't mean that he's not still trying to communicate with you. It just means that you and I sometimes, we, we crowd him out of our lives. Sometimes the noise is turned up in so many other areas that uh, we, we, we cannot hear him. He, he, he's trying to communicate to us. He desires to speak to us. But, but because we've, we've got so many other things going on, we cannot hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. The Bible says that these men were controlled by the Comforter. In other words, the Holy Spirit said, look, I don't, I, I, it's not that I don't want you to preach the gospel over there. But you know, what, you know what, what had happened? They had already preached the gospel in those areas. The gospel had already been there. God's desire was for the gospel to spread around the world. Uh, someone has said, uh, it's a shame that, uh, it's the shame that some people have heard the gospel more than once when there are some that have never heard it at all. I think to myself, not only have I heard it more than once, I've heard it thousands of times. I've sat in church my whole life. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, from the time that I was just a, a, a tiny little baby, I was taken to the church nursery and, and, and dropped off. And, and, uh, and I, I, I remember sitting in church services uh, week after week, month after month. I was there for revivals. I was there for missions conferences. I was in a Christian school. And so we had chapel and we had a Bible class every day. And I think to myself, I've heard the gospel so many times. And yet, you know, there are people all around this world that have never heard it once. I wouldn't be surprised in a city of this size and magnitude if there are people maybe even on this very street out in front of this church that even though there's a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist church here, maybe they've never heard the gospel even one time. I told you earlier that we come from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, while Cleveland, Ohio is not a massive city, it is a larger, uh, larger community. And, um, and we, we've had children come in off the Sunday school bus. 
And they've come in, they've sat in a Sunday school class, and they've been taught about Jesus. And we've had kid, children literally raise their hands and ask the Sunday school teacher, ma'am, uh, excuse me, ma'am, who is this Jesus that you're talking about? That's in the, that's in the city of Cleveland. That's in the Midwest of the United States of America. Uh, that, that's in a, a place where they should have at least heard the name of Jesus one time. If that's going on here in the United States of America, can you imagine what's happening in Indonesia? And can you imagine what's happening in China and in Russia and some of these other places where the gospel is not nearly as prevalent as it is here today? I wonder, I wonder if maybe there's some young people in our churches I wonder if there's some adults in our churches where the Holy Spirit has tried to get a hold of your heart and has tried to say, hey, I want you to take the gospel to some of these people. And because we've been too busy, we've had too much noise in our life, we've missed the Holy Spirit's call. Because we were not willing to be controlled by the Comforter. As a result of that, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands have gone out into eternity and have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because we were unwilling to just allow our lives to be yielded and controlled by the comforter. I want you to notice number two. Not only were they controlled by the comforter, but they were captivated by the conditions. Would you look in verse number nine again? The Bible says that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Notice these next few words, verse number 10. And after he had seen the vision, and after he had seen the vision. He was captivated by the conditions. As I stand before you tonight, I've had some unique privileges and opportunities to visit some, uh, some incredible places in our world. Just a few short months ago, I had an opportunity to visit um, some countries in Eastern Europe, Romania and Hungary and Austria and Slovakia, and to preach in some of those very countries and, and open up the Word of God and, and, and to share the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. What a privilege that was. A few short years ago, I had an opportunity to be in the country of the Philippines in 2010. I went a couple of years before that also in 2008. And I've had an opportunity to preach in the Ivory Coast of Africa. And I've had an opportunity to preach in Scotland and, and, uh, and in Mexico. And, and uh, lots of different places I've had opportunity to go. And can I tell you something? That every time I go, my heart is captured by what I see. I'll never forget 1998. Coming home from Bible college, I was in between my freshman and sophomore year of Bible college. I came home and Brother Dan Wolven, who was our youth pastor at that time, youth director at that time, and was over in charge of the Smite campaign, he said, hey, he said, Brother Pete, no, he didn't call me Brother Pete, he said, Pete, he said, hey, we're going to New York City for Smite this year. I want you to come. Man, I, I, I was never so excited for a smite in all my life. I, I, I remember I was planning and preparing and, and, and to make things even better, that was the very first year that I was ever going to be a group leader on the Smite campaign. I still remember where I was. Some of you may be familiar with this area. I, was, I had the group at Rainy Park. I don't know if that rings a bell, but that was where our Bible club was. And, and I remember we, I'll never forget driving into the city. I had never been to New York City in my whole life. I'd seen pictures of it. Uh, I had, uh, I, you know, you see the, the movies that, uh, that have New York City in it. And, and, you know, here I am just, as he said, just 500 miles away. And I never visited this great city. And I remember I was, I was sitting in the van as we were coming up over the George Washington Bridge. And you could see Manhattan and the skyline off in the distance. And, and I thought to myself, man, we are going to reach the masses this week. Man, it's going to be incredible. Man, we're going to see hundreds saved. We may even see thousands saved at this year's Smite campaign. This is going to be great. I remember the first day we began to knock doors. 
And we began to hand out flyers. We began to invite people to come to our Bible club. We're going to be down at Rainy Park from 1 to 3 in the afternoon. Man, you got to come. you got to check it out. We're going to have snow cones. And we're going to have clowns. And I can remember those New Yorkers looking at us like, who are these people and where did they come from? You know, they don't talk like us and they're not dressed like us and they don't look like us. And don't these people know we don't send our kids to the park to see clowns and to eat snow cones. That's just not what we do around here. And, and I remember thinking to myself, man, we thought we were going to see thousands saved. We'll be lucky if we see two or three saved this week. This is unbelievable. I remember that very first day we were in that Bible club. And, and, uh, and I mean, what a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a park that was for a, for a kid from Cleveland, Ohio. I, I remember standing in there, and, uh, and I remember we just had a handful of kids come that first day. And, and by the end of the week, it didn't grow much, much longer or bigger than that. But I remember that that week forever changed my life. One of the reasons why that changed my life is because I had an opportunity to be captivated by the conditions of this city. To think of the need. To think of the millions, the countless millions of people that are, that are living here and that are, uh, uh, that are enslaved to sin. I want you to take your Bible and turn me to Luke chapter number 4. I want you to see what is present when the gospel is not. When the gospel is not preached. When people don't ha- have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are their lives like? Do you know that Luke chapter number 4 gives us some insight into that? Notice Luke chapter number 4 and look in verse number 17. The Bible says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Jesus is now going to read. The Bible says in verse number 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Can I tell you folks that when there is no gospel present, you're going to find people that are poor. And not just poor in, in, as far as financially poor, but poor in spirit. Uh, poor in, 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 uh, in, in, in the conditions of their life. The Bible says that He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Have you ever had a broken heart? Do you know someone that has a broken heart? Boy, a broken heart is a, is a most difficult thing to get over. You know, it's not like you just go to the doctor and the doctor says, here, take this medicine and it'll heal your broken heart. I know people that have had their heart broken that have never recovered from it. Some tragic event has occurred in their life and they've never gotten beyond it. The Bible says that the only true cure for a broken heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way that a broken heart can be healed is through someone opening this book and preaching the gospel unto them. He says not just to heal the brokenhearted, but to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. The vision that Paul received that night, as far as what the Bible gives us, it doesn't elaborate a whole lot on what Paul saw. The Bible just says that there appeared to him a man in Macedonia and he cried out, come over into Macedonia and help us. The Bible does not tell us what the man looked like. The Bible does not tell us whether, uh, whether he uh, was poor or whether he was rich. Uh, the Bible does not tell us what nationality he was other than just a, he was a Macedonian man. Uh, it could have been someone that was from somewhere else, but he just happened to be living in Macedonia. But the Bible does tell us that when after he had seen The vision. Paul saw something that night. Can I tell you something? That that, that the number one thing that you need in order to be effective in preaching the gospel is not seeing the conditions of people. It's loving the Lord first and foremost. 
But can I tell you something? That, that, that once you see the conditions that are out there, it'll change your life. I'll never forget. I, I think I was sharing this story with someone this week on this trip. That we were in, um, uh, we were in the Philippines. And uh, we had a group of teenagers with us back in 2008. And there was a little boy running around. And he was part of the orphanage that was uh, there in the, in the Philippines. And, and of course, uh, that orphanage is special to our church. Because Dr. Roy Thompson, who's our founding pastor, helped establish that orphanage. He and, uh, and Brother Clayton. And, and, uh, and, and so here was, this, here was this little boy. He was a cute little boy. And I, I asked Brother Ed Lorena, who's the pastor. I said, sir, I said, uh, tell me the story of this little boy. How did he end up? up in this orphanage he said oh he said are you sure you can handle it and i said i i think i can i said go ahead and tell me the story and he said well that little boy he said his mom came one sunday to one of our big days whether it was a friend day or or an anniversary sunday i don't necessarily know the whole story but he said his mom came and and he was just a little baby and, and he said his mom took him and he dropped, she dropped him off in the, in the nursery and, and, uh, and must have gone on to the service. As far as we know, we, we don't know. Maybe she didn't go to the service or not. He said, but when the service came to a conclusion, she never came and picked him up. He said, we waited for 30 minutes and, and she wasn't there. And we waited an hour and she still wasn't there. And we waited two hours and she still wasn't there. He said, we had no information on this little baby. He could not speak for himself. He was just an infant. And, and, uh, and we didn't know where to go or what to do. And, and, uh, and, and fortunately, he had this orphanage. And we've just taken him in. We, we, we never heard back. We never heard from his mother ever again. I think to myself that there are, there are children that have been abandoned like that all across this world. That there are children that have grown up in, in terrible circumstances, in terrible homes. And what do they need? They don't need more money from the United States of America. They don't need more government programs. They don't, they don't need a little bit more food to put in their belly. Those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. But at the end of the day, the thing that they need the most is they need the gospel. That's the only thing that will change their life. And we must be captivated by the conditions if we're going to reach this world for Christ. I want you to notice lastly, and we'll be done. Not only were they controlled by the comforter, and not only were they uh, captivated by the conditions, but I want you to notice that they were confident in their creed. Would you go back with me to Acts chapter number 16? Acts chapter number 16. Look at the end of verse number 10. The Bible says, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I love how Paul did not waver in his obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love how, how Paul didn't walk into Macedonia and say, Okay, fellas, uh, what's going to be our plan of attack? Maybe, maybe we should just you know, do this, or maybe we should do that. No, the, Paul, the Bible says Paul went into Macedonia, and he said we were assured that it was our opportunity to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. Can I tell you that Paul's obedience to the controlling comforter, uh, Paul's obedience to the Holy Spirit affects you and I today. Do, do you understand that, that Paul's desire was to continue preaching in Asia and Asia Minor? The Bible tells us that. And the Holy Spirit said, no, no, I, I don't want you to go there. I have other plans. I want you to go into Macedonia. And he, and he enabled Paul to see that vision. And Paul was obedient to the Holy Spirit's command. And as a result of that, the Bible says that Paul took the gospel not further east, but Paul took the gospel west. Do you realize that from Macedonia, the preaching of the gospel in Macedonia, and that, that, that's basically modern-day Greece, as a result of the Bible being preached there, the Bible was able to be preached into Europe. 
And do you realize that in the, in the 1500s and 1600s and 1700s, there were, there were people from Europe that said, hey, look, we want some religious freedom and we want some religious liberty. And so they made their way here to the United States of America. And do you realize that from the United States of America, the greatest missionary effort and the greatest thrust of missions in the world has ever seen has come from this land? And it all started with the Apostle Paul and the others that were traveling with him uh, being willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's call. I shared with you that I was preaching in the Philippines in 2008. And Brother Lorena had shared shared with me this. He He said, when the World War II ended, the Philippines was devastated and practically destroyed. He said, Japan was practically destroyed as well. By the time it was all said and done, the Japanese had destroyed the Philippines and and the Americans, in order to win the war, had practically devastated and destroyed Japan. He said, the Americans went about trying to build up both countries all over again. He said, do you know what the Americans sent to Japan? He said, said they sent their best minds. He said he sent, they sent people that were good with computers and, and, uh, or maybe not computers, but good with just developing technology and, and, uh, and, and, and just very smart in those areas. And then he said this. He said, but do you know what the Americans sent to the Philippines? I said, what did they send to the Philippines? He said, the Americans sent, he said they sent missionaries. He said they sent preachers. And as a result of that, today, Japan is one of the leading uh, countries in all of the world when it comes to developing technology. There's lots of wealth in Japan and, 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 and lots of opportunities when it comes to that type of stuff to make lots of money. But he said, you know what? You know what's in, in, the, in the Philippines today? He said, we may not be very rich. We may not have a whole lot of money. We may not be a world player when it comes to developing uh, new gadgets and, and, and technology and that sort of thing. He said, but we've got a revival sweeping across this country and across this land. Why? Because the gospel is powerful. Because we, we can be confident in our creed as we lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what Paul said in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. I think to myself, how many times have I been ashamed of the gospel? How many times have I been hesitant to take a gospel track and hand it to someone in an elevator? How many times have I been ashamed to, to speak up and to invite someone to church or to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? Not, not the Apostle Paul. The reason why God could use the Apostle Paul and those that, uh, that, that ran with him is because they were controlled by the comforter. It's because they were captivated by the conditions. And it's because they were confident in their creed. They were not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are we? Are we ashamed sometimes to share the gospel with someone else? Are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives? Are we, are we captivated by what we see? Do we, do we have the compassion that we need in order to reach this world for Christ? These are three characteristics that I think are clearly seen in this passage of men who won the world to Christ and how they did it. They weren't, maybe it may not have been the smartest. They may not have been the best looking. They may, not have been the, uh, they may not have been the most charismatic as far as their personality is concerned. But I want you to know something. They were controlled by the Holy Spirit. And boy, they were uh, captivated by what they saw. And they were confident that the gospel was the only thing that could make a difference in the lives of a lost and dying world. And if you and I would develop some of these same qualities and characteristics in our lives, there's no telling what God could do in this city and around the world as a result of this church. May God help us to help others 
as we hear the call. Let's have our head, heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to just pray and turn the service over to the pastor, however he desires to close it. And I wonder, I wonder when the last time was that you heard the Holy Spirit speaking clearly to you? When was the last time? When was the last time that you were captivated by what you saw? The conditions of people living. I have to think that maybe, maybe you can get to a point living in this great city where you, you've seen it all and you've heard it all and you've done it all. That maybe sometimes you get to the point where nothing phases you. Nothing affects you. We've seen that before. We've seen people living like that before. It's not that big of a deal. I wonder when the last time was that, uh, that you were confident and bold in your witness and sharing the gospel. Can I tell you that God doesn't need, God does not need the smartest people in the world to use. God does not need someone who is uh, ultra talented, someone who has all of the personality and wit and charm. God just needs someone who's available. God just needs someone who yield their life to Him. Father, we thank You for this passage of Scripture. We thank You for the examples that are given to us in the Word of God. For those that were willing to yield their life to You. We see the end result of their life is the impact that is felt in the lives of those that were living during that time. And yet even beyond that, as we even consider the fact that we, we know the gospel tonight because they were willing and faithful and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that are here tonight. May you work, may you help us to be more sensitive, to be more faithful, to be more confident to share the gospel than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor.